Here's a message from Ken Lavica. I don't know right now how anybody can tell me anything other than the fact that Lamar Jackson is the front runner for NFL MVP. I dare you. Joe Rigotti hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Sorry, Vegas. I just don't think you're in the right place. And I'm not talking about John Gruden. I'm talking about the NFL MVP. Not talking about Gruden. But I look at the odds this morning, the NFL MVP odds, and I don't see Lamar Jackson at the top, and I have a real big issue with that. Ken Levick alive here with you on a Wednesday on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app, and all over your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, Google Play, ESPN 106.3. We are in downtown West Palm Beach, in the Phillips Point Towers, in our Anna John Levine Action and Attorney Studios, right off of the warm Intracoastal. By the way, today I roll up and I park in our typical oven of a sixth floor parking spot across the street in our parking garage. You just see it's beaten down by the sun. Uh, oh, sir, sir, you can't park here because we're power washing. Heads up. I appreciate the heads up before I actually park the car, but maybe just maybe could have gotten a text or an email beforehand. That's just me, though. That's how I operate. No big deal. Uh, Lamar Jackson is truly incredible, and we didn't get to talk about him yesterday because John Gruden absolutely took over, and that was one of the downsides of Monday night is that you had this epic Ravens comeback where you had Lamar Jackson throwing for 355 yards, nearly flawless in the second half and in overtime, and it was completely paved over by Gruden and the emails and Bruce Allen and Adam Schefter. And we'll get to Shefty later on in the show because he has some things that he'll have to speak on as well after this morning. But I don't know how anybody can tell me anything other than Lamar Jackson is the most valuable player in the NFL. I don't know how anybody can think otherwise. I don't care if you're a Bills fan and you love Josh Allen. I don't care if you're a Cowboys fan and you think Dak Prescott has been lights out. Lamar Jackson unequivocally means more to his team than any other player in the NFL. Let's go right off the top. Who is the front runner for NFL MVP? And because of the extended season, usually you would do this at the quarter point. We're now five games in, five weeks into the season. It's a little bit different with the 17 games. But I think this is a legitimate discussion because Vegas vehemently disagrees with me. But I can't make a better case for MVP frontrunner, best player in the league, most valuable player in the league right now through the first five weeks of the season than Lamar Jackson. Who is the NFL MVP frontrunner? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. But right now, according to Vegas, new odds updated this morning. Josh Allen is still at plus 450. He is the front runner. He is the leader in the clubhouse for NFL MVP. And yeah, he just went and beat up on Kansas City. That was arguably his best game of the season. He looked the most 2020 Josh Allen that he looked all this season against Kansas City. And he did it on that stage on Sunday night. Kyler Murray, plus 500. Justin Herbert, plus 650. Dak Prescott, plus 650. Tom Brady, plus 700. Matthew Stafford, plus 1100. Aaron Rodgers, plus 1200. And then there's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has the eighth best odds right now in Vegas to win MVP. And I don't quite understand how that is the case. It's almost as if no one's watching him. And here's what I think is happening with Lamar Jackson. He is still too unconventional for people to think that Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback. 
And Chris Collinsworth tweeted it this morning that Lamar Jackson represents himself. And Monday night, he made his client a lot of money. And that's the perfect way to put it. Lamar Jackson made himself some big-time money because there's no way the Ravens now can sit on and wait any longer to sign him to that extension. He's too good. He's too prolific. And for the he-can't-pass crowd, 67% passer right now through the opening five weeks. Right now, when you look at overall yardage, He's fifth in the NFL, 1,519. It's Brady, Carr, Stafford, Herbert, and then Lamar Jackson. He's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt. That's top three in the NFL. And then, oh yeah, he's by the way, uh, uh, far and away, the most prolific rusher of any quarterback in the NFL. Dynamic. And teams now are focused in on stopping him against the run. And he's throwing all over him. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Josh Allen. It's not Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson is the best player right now in the NFL. He's the most valuable player in the NFL. And this always go to the age-old argument, well, what's the difference between best and valuable? Lamar Jackson's both. If, if Lamar Jackson wasn't the quarterback of the Ravens, what would they be right now? He has saved their ass a number of times. And we're just five weeks into the season now. And it just feels like if Lamar Jackson is not the answer to the question, who is the NFL MVP front runner, that there are some that are still not comfortable with the, play, uh, the, the, the way that he actually plays the position. He's dynamic. He's almost downright unstoppable. And if you want the, oh, well, he's too mistake-prone. He was mistake-prone in the first half on Monday night, and then in the second half, he had one of the single greatest halves and overtimes of football that we have seen in NFL history. Right now, the Ravens are 4-1, and one, and without Lamar Jackson, they might be 1-4. He's been that important. He's been that good. He's been that fantastic. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL, and he is the MVP. Vegas, though, has him at the eighth best odds to win NFL MVP. Who is the NFL MVP frontrunner? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Or you can tweet at us, at ESPN West Palm. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Ryan Kelly tweets, Kyler Murray, the only undefeated quarterback this season. Kyler Murray is the MVP. Kyler Murray has had a remarkable season. Kyler Murray is super fun. I will say, too, that Kyler Murray definitely uh, makes me look bad. When the the Cardinals decided to ditch Josh Rosen and go get Kyler Murray, I didn't think that there was any chance that that thing was going to happen, that that was going to go well, that Cliff Kingsbury, of all people who couldn't win at Texas Tech, was going to turn him into something that was able to put forth winning seasons. Kyler Murray's awesome. But think about the weapons he has compared to what Lamar Jackson has, where there's still no clear-cut number one receiver. You're still relying on Hollywood Brown to be one of your more consistent pass catchers. The fact that Lamar can utilize the receivers like he does, and then Mark Andrews, who is being bracketed almost every time he runs a route, and Lamar's still able to find him, whether it's the two-point conversion, whether it's the touchdown the other night that forced the overtime. I mean, Lamar Jackson is incredible. His improvisation is sensational. But he doesn't, he doesn't play like you want a quarterback to play. I mean, Kyler Murray, I think, probably is second in that discussion. The Cardinals have been maybe not the biggest surprise, but their dominance what they've done, their body of work through five weeks, that's right up there in the biggest surprises. Jeremy Goldstein tweets, Josh Allen's still the favorite at plus 300. Yeah, it's not Josh Allen, though. Josh Allen spent the first month, and yeah, he had the 35 nothing whitewashing of the Dolphins, but that was more 
the the defense of the Bills, giving the Dolphins fits, and then the floodgates open. Josh Allen, for the first time this season, Sunday night, looked like 2020 breakout star Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I suppose, at the end of the road, might be the MVP, but Lamar Jackson, there's no equal to him right now. There's absolutely no equal to him. Jeremy Goldstein tweets Lamar Jackson. Colby Guy tweets Lamar Jackson. I just don't know how you could say any different. Here's Mina Kimes from NFL Live yesterday, and I think that she had a very, very strong breakdown of what has made Lamar Jackson so good and why he is the NFL frontrunner. Mina Kimes yesterday on NFL Live. I got to give credit where credit's due. What did you say before the game about Lamar Jackson? I said Lamar needed to be in the MVP conversation. There we go. And how do we all feel now? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fist I feel bump. like he is the MVP, and here's why. Through. Here's why. MVP is about value. I think yeah. Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott are playing at an incredibly high level right yeah. now. Uh, but in terms of pure value to your football team, it doesn't compare. The, the Ravens put up 523 yards of offense last night. Lamar Jackson was responsible for 504 of yeah. those yards. That's crazy. I, don't, I mean, it's just ridiculous what he's doing. Yeah, cool. You spoke about his progression That's as a passer. I was incredibly impressed by the play from the pocket, the poise he yeah. showed. Dan Orlovsky, if you heard in the background, he made the comment, it's high school. And that crossed my mind on Monday night watching Lamar Jackson. Like He looks like the high school game you go to, you can always tell who the one or two Division One recruits are because they look different. They play different than everybody else. And it really was driven home to me, and I've had the privilege of calling a lot of high school football games down here in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. But Bill Powers, former Jupiter Christian and Jupiter High School head coach, one time he said, hey, you can just tell If they pass the eye test, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they stand out. That's Lamar, but he's doing it in the NFL. He's faster, he's better, he looks different, he's big now. He's turning the NFL into his own high school. He looks like, Lamar Jackson right now, looks like the same guy who was beating up on Village Academy when he was at Boynton Beach High School. He looks like that same guy. I've never seen a player like that. Like Mahomes of three years ago was in that realm, but Lamar Jackson's doing that thing where you just run around in circles and outrun everybody and you're the best player on the field and then you go to Alabama. Like That's what Lamar Jackson is right now. Who's the NFL MVP frontrunner? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. You can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. When we return, we're going to nerd out. Because we're going to talk wrestling. Oh, Ken, I don't like wrestling. I don't care. Get your own show. Chris Jericho, AEW. It's coming to Miami for a Friday and a Saturday. Rampage Friday, Dynamite Saturday. The Chris Jericho, the legend, joins us next. He's Captain Competent Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. All right, so flat out wrestling fans, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, this is for me, and I, I said this when, when Paul White was on a couple of weeks ago. I'm 37 years old, and so uh, I don't mean to date uh, people who join this, uh, this show uh, from a, a wrestling perspective, uh, but if I'm 37, they're getting up there as well because that – means that they were in my prime wrestling era. But it is a pleasure to uh, be joined by one of the best wrestlers of all time. He is the face of AEW, and he is going to be at Rampage Friday. And then there's AEW Dynamite Saturday in Miami, AEWTicks.com. The great Chris Jericho joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. I'm sorry if I nerd out too hard with this whole thing. Uh, now, you're over on the, the west side of the state. How do you get in? Do you just drive over to Miami? How does this work for you? Uh, I take a horse and buggy, uh, cool. kind of going back to the old days, cool. being one with nature and that's that sort of thing. So I'm going to be leaving in about 20 minutes to get there in time for <laughs> Thursday, uh, Friday night. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> hey, you set up your schedule well. That's good pre-planning. I, um, I need to ask you about this because the last time that AEW was in Miami, that's when you guys finally got back out on the road and Dynamite came down. Uh, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, a great show, but you come out, and I didn't catch it at first. 
I look up and I see you throwing stiff shots at somebody. And I'm like, what is going on? And someone had jumped out from the crowd. When did you notice that something weird was happening with you coming up the entrance ramp? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> with all the experience that I've had, I mean, you can see somebody coming from a mile away. Uh, and the, the advice here is if you're listening uh, and you think it's fun to come <laughs> just wander into the ring, please don't because it never ends well for the guys. Um, yeah, I, I saw the guy kind of coming in. He, he actually went on the rampway. He was wearing sunglasses, just threatening. And, you know, whenever you see someone come in with sunglasses, you know, okay, this guy's just an idiot. So <laughs> he started walking towards the ring. And then when the security came, and then the closer you get, the, the, the easier it is to take a, a shot at the guy. So we did that. We got rid of him. We thought he was actually fairly dangerous. So uh, you, you never know what's going to happen. But it just shows that people are very excited when they come to our, our shows. And actually that night was the first time AEW had been back on the road um, with, with full fans since the whole lockdown. So it was a, it was a monumental night that night in Miami. And it's going to be the same this week for not just one but two shows on Friday and Saturday. Yep, Rampage on Friday, Dynamite on Saturday, AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. So I uh, I call college football, and so the team that I call, Florida Atlantic, they're on a bye week, so uh, I have a, uh, a marriage contractually obligated vacation weekend with the family coming up. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to go down there. But I've already told my wife that while we're driving, uh, as soon as the buy-in pre-show comes on Friday and Brian Danielson and Suzuki end up heading to the ring, she's driving so I can watch it on uh, uh, on YouTube. It just seems like... Uh, it, it, Tony Khan seems like just a wrestling nerd who's able to do these things and book these matches that satisfy his like wrestling urges. How would you personify Tony Khan? I would say more of a, of, of a wrestling genius, if, if, if anything. Um, he's very, very smart. And that was one of the big things when we started talking about um, about doing AEW. A lot of people were, were kind of saying, oh, it's a, it's, it's a money mark, as, 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 as the guys would say. Just some dude, like you mentioned, maybe some kind of a wrestling nerd that just has a lot of money that wants to start a company. It's not that at all. He's really, really smart. And it's almost very fateful that all this happened, and it couldn't really work without Tony Khan because he sees things uh, from a long-term point of view because he remembers what he liked when he was a wrestling fan, as do I. So there's a real good uh, kind of relationship between us because you still have to be a fan of the sport to really understand it and really uh, take advantage of all the, the great things that can happen. If you're not a fan, if you're from the outside world, it, it never works out because you really have to walk the tightrope between uh, appealing to wrestling fans and also not insulting wrestling fans, which is also very easy to do. Uh, the inner circle with Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, they take on the men of the year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky Jr., DeSantos, Dan Lambert, and Jorge Masvidal are going to be uh, on the outside of the ring as well. That'll happen on Rampage on Friday, and don't forget Dynamite on Saturday. It's rare that Miami gets two premier back-to-back wrestling shows, and it happens this weekend, AEWTix.com, AEWTix. Dot com. I need to ask you about your, your entrance music because it's arguably now the most recognizable in wrestling, Judas, and that's, that's you. Like That's your band. That's Fozzie that, that performs that. Uh, did you make that specifically to be your entrance theme? How did you come to that decision? And then to hear no. Austin, Texas sing it a cappella to you, what does that feel like? Yeah, they did it last week in Philly, too. Um, it's really crazy. That song was a hit right out of the gate back in 2017. Uh, it was number one for weeks on Amazon and, and iTunes. It got to number five on the Billboard Rock charts. Uh, what happened was in 2018, I went to Japan to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, and I didn't have a ring song. It was my first <laughs> match that I'd done outside of WWE, so I thought, well... We're trying to get a gig in Japan, so maybe if I play a Fozzie song in front of 50,000 people at the Dome, maybe there'll be a promoter there who hears it and decides they want to bring us over. Uh, it worked out so well. It was the perfect vibe for a ring song for me. So I just said, listen, I'm going to use this from now on. And when I started working with AEW, we licensed it, and that was basically how it all started. Where it really became a thing was on my cruise last year, where uh, people started singing it on the boat as I was walking to the ring, <laughs> every word. And we never uh, encouraged it or, or expected it. 
And that's kind of where it all started, and it just continued from there to where now it's one of the centerpieces of the AEW live experience is coming down to St. Judas with everybody who's there. Like you said, whether you're in Austin, Texas, or whether you're in Philadelphia, or whether you're in Timbuktu, people are singing it and enjoying it. So it is a really cool moment that just happened organically, and that's why it works. We didn't try and force it down anybody's throats. Uh, when we did the thing where they sang it a cappella in Austin, there was no lyrics on the screen. There was no lyric sheets underneath that go on your phone. It was just, let's just see what happens. And it happened. People were, were, were up for it and, and just enjoying the whole moment. So uh, that's what you want in wrestling is to create something organically. We've done that, and that's become a highlight of our shows. The legend Chris Jericho with us here. Ken Levick alive. Uh, I am Jericho on Twitter, uh, though many of you probably already know that. And AEW taking over Miami. AEWTix.com for Rampage and Dynamite Friday and Saturday and massive cards uh, with uh, with both of those. I You mentioned uh, going over to Japan. That in between uh, with you uh, leaving WWE and then between the time that you headed to AEW, that reckless run you had through Japan where you're just wrecking stars and attacking stars and doing that whole thing that sort of seemed like a reinvention for you Uh, how did you consume that run in japan that you had before aew really got tuned up yeah i mean it's what i've done my whole career is is kind of uh, reinvent myself and evolve um and i think that was just basically i watched a lot of bruiser brody um and i just i'm just gonna go over and just be crazy and obviously I'm not six foot six like like Brody was, but at six feet tall in the modern era in Japan, I was one of the biggest guys. Sure. And I thought I'm just going in here. That's where the pain maker started, which is where I had uh, so, some some makeup on and just completely reckless because I was thinking, what would a serial killer look like <laughs> if they if they became a wrestler? And that's what I was going for. And just really, I mean, I headlined the Tokyo Dome three years in a row, 18, 19, and 20, uh, as a result of this character just taking off because I know that people in Japan appreciate just the wild and crazy lunatics, um, and that's what I did. And it was really, really uh, beneficial to where I brought the Painmaker character over to AEW. We abused it a few times here. I've created a very successful NFT series using the pain maker. So uh, it's just one of those ideas. You just If you're constantly evolving and changing, it's the David Bowie uh, idea. Never do the same thing twice. Always keep who you are as the foundation, but just add more layers to it. And you'll always keep people guessing and always keep them excited about what you're doing. I just, I absolutely loved that. And it, it really set the base for AEW. And so I want to talk about the labors of Jericho now. And I want to start with MJF because when AEW reached out and said, hey, you guys want another AEW guest? I was like, sure. And there was a thought in my mind if it was MJF, like, am I going to have to? Because I've never seen him outside of kayfabe like it's always been him the the jerk and uh, he is the best heel in the business right now and that run you had with mjf was awesome what what is he like forget wrestling what is he like just being around well i mean he's a jerk <laughs> you know what i mean that, that's that's how he is uh he's he's kind of like the precocious know-it-all kid from high school but he's one of our biggest stars and you know we just finished a year-long storyline with him uh, where it catapulted him to the next level. And, you know, that's what you need is people who really tap into those characters and really feel them. And, I mean, you mentioned Dan Lambert, uh, the the head of America's Top Team, which is the biggest uh, UFC uh, training camp in America. That's who we're facing this week because Lambert is such a great heel. Uh, He's kind of almost topping MJF at this point in time. Uh, people just hate him. We were in Philly last week. You couldn't hear a word that he said. He had so much heat. So, you know, that's why we have Junior Dos Santos this Friday, UFC, former UFC champion, in his very first wrestling match with Jorge Masvidal, who's probably the biggest star in UFC to date in his corner, uh, facing Chris Jericho and, and my band of merry men. So you, when you tap into those characters and get people involved and connected into the story, that's the most important thing. And whether it's Jericho versus MJF, which was a huge success, or Jericho versus these UFC lunatics, which has been a huge success so far as well, it's all because people are buying into the stories that we're telling and the characters that we're portraying. Uh, so I, I, 
there are, and I've spent a lot of time in NFL locker rooms, NBA locker rooms. There are just people that look imposing, and you're like, man, like that 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 person is just is, is scary. They're so big, and sometimes they seem unhinged. Uh, Nick Gage is one of those for me. Nick Gage, the uh, the 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 face of the death match, and you, one of your labors of Jericho is going against him, and we're talking uh, uh, tables, and we're talking light rods, and we're talking blood, and the whole thing. Nick Gage seems. Unhinged. I know that's his persona, but also if you watch Dark Side of the Ring, which you narrate on Vice, uh, he is unhinged outside of the ring. Uh, what is it like being around him? Uh, how do you prepare yourself for a match like that where you know that there is going to be significant pain here? Well, once again, it's all part of the story that we were telling. And, and for that night, uh, Nick Gage was the perfect foil. And it was part of uh, the labors of Jericho that we did with MJF to where he was trying to put all these roadblocks in my way and kind of brought in our mercenary, a bounty hunter of Nick Gage, who is uh, the king of the death match. And what is a death match? Like you mentioned, so it's an ultra-violent uh, pro wrestling match. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know you're going to be paying the price. Obviously, uh you know, having light tubes broken over your head or, uh, you know, taking falls into tempered broken glass. Um, something I'd never done before and I'll never do again, but for that night it was perfect for the story. It turned out great. It's uh, kind of become a modern-day deathmatch classic seen by more people than any other deathmatch ever. So I think it was a huge success. It added to the intrigue. It drew the ratings, and more importantly, continued the storyline of MJF and I. So I don't have a problem doing those types of things if the story calls for it, and if it adds to what you're doing. If you're out there doing it just to be, just to have the gratuitous violence of it, then maybe not quite the same vibe, but I really enjoyed uh, that night, even though, um, you know, still have scars from it. There's a pizza cutter scar on my bicep that uh, will be there forever as a result. But, um, you know, it's kind of what I do. I guess I'm just kind of too crazy to really worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, the pizza cutter uh, thing was just, I, I mean, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, what is Jericho doing right now? Like, why you, didn't, you don't have to do that, and you decided to do it, and that's ultimate respect there. But 2021 Jericho compared to 2003 Jericho, how much longer does it take your body to recover from things like that? I, I, I never fell into that trap. It, it really doesn't. I mean, I don't wrestle. 2003 Jericho was probably having 180, 200 matches a year. Yeah. Uh, modern day Jericho is probably doing about 20 a year. But the point being is that those matches all count. They're all big matches. And they're all matches that are important. So, um, yeah, I mean, does it hurt? It always hurt. You know, and you always woke up the next day. But I'm probably in better shape now than I was then just because of the yoga, the kickboxing, the stretching regimens that I do, my training has changed. It's not how much you bench anymore. Now it's, like I said, going in there and doing, you know, six rounds of six minutes for kickboxing, you know, on a daily basis. That kind of loosens you up a lot more. Sure. So um, are you sore? Yeah, I'm sore, but I, I'm not uh, falling to this trap like, oh, my God, I'm getting old. This hurts. I don't ever <laughs> think that way. So to me, it's, it's no worse than it's ever been. Um, I just... You know, just have more time to heal in between because the matches are, are more far between, but they're still just as important as an, and as hard hitting when I'm in there as they need to be. Uh, again, AEW Rampage Friday, AEW Dynamite Saturday, uh, and uh, one of the, the sneaky great venues for wrestling in the Southeast is the James L. Knight Center, downtown Miami, AEWTicks.com, and I was checking it out today, and uh, tickets are, are going quickly, especially the combo tickets for both, and there's a combo ticket special, so you want to jump on at AEWTicks.com. There are ridiculous cards on both Rampage and Dynamite. One final question, and I mentioned you narrate uh, Vice's Dark Side of the Ring. When you're doing this uh, and and you're laying down the voiceovers, are there any of them where, because some of them are just so, so beyond belief, where you're like, this is really bleeped up. Like, I can't believe this actually happened. Um, what, what, What happened there? Uh, well, just when you're when you're narrating these things, whether it's the oh, the yeah, plane ride from hell or or any of the stories, are you yeah. just like, God, this is depressing? Well, I, it, you know, some of them are depressing. Some of them are just informational. I mean, when we did the the show about 
doing the wrestling extravaganza in Korea earlier this season. Or, I mean, you know, some of them are depressing, but they're also kind of historical. The the Pillman stories, the Dynamite Kid stories, the Owen stories. Uh, I I really enjoy seeing these stories told by the families themselves, and that's how I got involved in the first place, was I knew the producers um, were doing things for the right reasons and doing these shows the right way. They're not sensationalistic. They're telling the tale. Uh, and that to me is why I, I enjoy watching these shows because a lot of the guys like uh, Chris Cameron, for example, never really got his due as how influential he was uh, to the business. And I think when you see this show, obviously his life came to a sad end, but there was um, uh, positives to it, and you never knew that. Yeah. So you know the story is over. You know, Chris died ten years ago, for example. The fact we're able to tell these stories properly with the guys who were there, it does bring us a, a spotlight back and show a lot of good as well, and kind of almost a lot of closure for a lot of people, and educating a lot of wrestling fans to a how influential some of these guys were and how hard it is to be in this business uh, and all the things you have to deal with. So overall, it's a very informative, informational show, and uh, you know. I enjoy the narrations for it. I don't see the shows until they air on on Vice, the finished product, but I still enjoy being a part of them for, for the work that I do for them. It's really, really well done. Again, Chris Jericho, you'll see him on Friday. He is on that stacked Rampage card. Friday, Saturday, Rampage and Dynamite, AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. Jericho, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to another great show in Miami. Appreciate it, man. Always great to be there, and we're looking forward to this to be a great weekend. All right, that is Chris Jericho, the legend here on Ken LeVick Alive. And again, it'll be Jericho, the inner circle with Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara taking on Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Junior Dos Santos, but also Friday at Rampage. Uh, you've got CM Punk that is on the card. Ruby Soho is on the card. But the buy-in, the YouTube show, before it goes on the air on TNT, Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki, if you're a wrestling fan, that is a dream match right there, just like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega was a couple of weeks ago in New York, and it all happens in Miami. AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. I appreciate you letting me be a nerd for 15 minutes' time. We'll go back to being sports nerds after being sports entertainment nerds when we come back. He's Captain Competent Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Should John Gruden be out of football permanently? He should no longer be the head coach of the Raiders. That ship has sailed. And the right thing happened, even if it wasn't the right way that it happened, where he is no longer the Raiders coach. But should he forever be scrubbed of record books and commemorations and not work in the sport again? Because I'm starting to have a little bit of an issue with how all of this is playing out. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. If you missed any of Chris Jericho, AEW, wrestling legend, you can check out the podcast. It is free. It is the Ken Levick alive podcast wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to it. It comes right to your device every single day. The Ken Levick alive podcast. And a big thanks to AEW and to Chris Jericho for giving us plenty, plenty of time on this Wednesday. Uh, by the way, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program at the title partner of Ken Levick Alive, FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, it's not just emerging like AEW. It is the standard, uh, and they have been doing it for 22 years. Dr. Jim Reardon has a program that produces results. Uh, if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go to FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. You will see the, the, the long list of students that have found jobs in the sports industry, whether it is in professional sports, whether it is in big-time college athletics, whether it is in in local sports, whether it is in college conferences, they're all there. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, and you can take these courses online. Spring semester courses, sign up for them now. Online or on campus in Boca Raton, it's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, internationally renowned.
owned fau.edu slash mba sport the fau mba sport management program so uh, yesterday the tampa bay buccaneers came out with the statement that they were going to take john gruden off of their ring of honor and it makes sense because he's so toxic right now. He's a name. The mere mention of it is toxic. Uh, the decision was made. I'm not overly surprised. And uh, that, that, that's a done deal. A man who won a Super Bowl championship with that organization because of the comments, the racist comments, the homophobic comments, the misogynistic comments, all of those things in the Bruce Allen emails, part of that NFL investigation, the Buccaneers decided that he could no longer be a part of the ring of honor. And that's fine. And that certainly appeases the public. And it certainly uh, is a signifier that what John Gruden said, what he typed, what he sent was deplorable. And it was. But in that same Bucks ring of honor, you also have someone in Warren Sapp who has definitely not been a saint by any stretch of the imagination. Warren Sapp, who has performed illegal activities with prostitutes, accused of harassment, the NFL Network, a comp- company entity, they suspended him over sexual assault allegations, domestic battery, or he took a plea deal. So I'm just wondering where we draw the line here with what is acceptable to be honored and where it's not acceptable to be honored. And I'm not trying to do this thing where, oh, this person did a crappy thing, so what about this person? Because fine, like, I... I'm not going to sit here and fight John Gruden battles, but I'm just wondering if the Buccaneers do one, don't they need to take a long look at themselves as well? Yes, Warren Sapp, a beloved player, but he actually broke the law. John Gruden is really, really dirty and really gross, and if those things are what he's saying in private, I don't think that's salvageable. But Warren Sapp being up there isn't that a direct contradiction to John Gruden not being in the ring of honor what about the fact that the Buccaneers are willingly employing Antonio Brown so I get what the Buccaneers are doing and I understand why the Buccaneers are doing it John Gruden is incredibly toxic that said at what point Do we draw the line and come up with what's right enough and what's wrong enough for one not to be included? I I don't feel like John Gruden should necessarily be blackballed forever. He is part of that Buccaneers history, winning history. And it's not like when we're marching through the South and we're tearing down statues of confederate uh, soldiers and confederate generals because I know that's going to come I know that false equivalence is going to come John Gruden winning a Super Bowl and then sending offensive emails is not the same thing as enslaving human beings and trying to commit treason okay I'm sorry oh but why why would you tear down Robert Lee's statue then Guys, this is not the same thing. He is part of the history. So the Buccaneers, what they're doing is because they didn't want to get any questions about why John Gruden is still in their ring of honor, and because they were anticipating heat from the outside, they they pandered. And it does not come off as authentic when you know that's what the Buccaneers are doing. They have pandered to the outside. And I do hope that at some point, the Buccaneers do recognize that John Gruden, whether they like it or not, he is part of their franchise legacy. Emails be damned. If you're going to have Warren Sapp up there and you're going to employ Antonio Brown, John Gruden is still a part of that organization. You can't just scrub that. That 
lives forever, just like John Gruden's emails lived forever, and they were eventually found. It's just like baseball, where they want to avoid the steroid era. They're not going to put any of those guys who are the biggest names in the steroid era in Cooperstown, but the more that they ignore that, the more that they try and pretend that that era didn't happen, the worse it makes them look. So I get why the Buccaneers did what they did. I understand why they have taken John Gruden's name off the Ring of Honor, but if they make that permanent instead of just a measure because they need things to cool down, that's doing that organization and that fan base a disservice. Is John Gruden disgusting? Yes. Did he say disgusting things? Absolutely. Including cartoonishly racist tropes? 100%. There's no denying that. But the Buccaneers, in them trying to do the right thing, end up looking pretty bad when you still have Warren Sapp, alleged lawbreaker, multiple times, sexual harasser, alleged multiple times, and you employ Antonio Brown. After all of the things that happened with Antonio Brown, alleged rape, domestic violence, the list goes on. I'm not trying to be cancel culture guy. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be the, uh, the, the ah, everybody, it, 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 back in the day, you could say what you wanted. Times have changed, and it sucks. I'm mad, and I'm a boomer, and things are terrible. No, but I think common sense has to prevail at some point. It's downright silly for the Buccaneers to permanently try and erase John Gruden from the organization. And then there's Adam Schefter with ESPN. And Adam Schefter got revealed in a big way as part of these Bruce Allen emails. Rule number one as a journalist is to be objective, is to provide information and to protect sources, okay? Remain objective, though, is the key part of this entire thing. What the New York Times found out is that during the 2011 lockout, and God knows how many other times, but specifically during the 2011 lockout, Adam Schefter sent one of his not-yet-published stories to Bruce Allen, then the Washington team president, to proofread it and make any tweaks that he felt necessary. Schefter emailing, quote, please let me know if you see anything that should be added, changed, tweaked. Thanks, Mr. Editor, for that and the trust. I plan to file this to ESPN about 6 a.m. That is as unethical as it gets in journalism. Take it from someone who in a previous life was a journalist. I haven't been for quite some time now, but if you are in print journalism, that's fireable anywhere. Anywhere. Because that makes you unobjective at that point. And your sources writing your stories for you it goes without explanation why that is a problem because then it becomes no longer objective. You're no longer telling a story. You're giving a slant. And so I did see on social media a lot of, well, ESPN's going to have to fire him. ESPN needs to deal with this. This is ugly. But here's my defense of Adam Schefter. And whether he agrees with it or not, this is the truth. Adam Schefter is not a journalist. Adam Schefter is performance art. Adam Schefter is a newsbreaker. Adam Schefter is not a journalist. He should not label himself as a journalist. ESPN should not label him as a journalist. You should not consider him a journalist. In the same way that Tucker Carlson's not a journalist, in the same way that anybody on MSNBC is not a journalist, it's all performance art. And Adam Schefter will always have a role at ESPN because he has all the contacts and he has all the relationships and he is a PR mouth. Your boy Wojbomb, Adrian Wojnarowski, he's the exact same person that Adam Schefter is. You can't serve in that role and have so many sources and connections and call yourself a journalist. It is not possible. So Adam Schefter is not going to be fired. What he did was wildly unethical. 
But you want to know why he's not going to be fired? Because he's not a journalist. Because he is a mouthpiece. And ESPN is just fine with that. And you want to know why? Because you listening right now love the scoop. And you love the breaking news. And you love to see the first reports on free agency. And you love to pit Adam Schefter versus Jay Glazer. And you love to pit Woj against Shams. They're not journalists. They're PR pieces. Their sources are agents. Their sources are players. Their sources are executives. That's how they get that news. You want to know how they get that news? It's by basically shaking hands, scratching backs, doing favors. That's not journalism. When I covered the Dolphins, one of the biggest complaints from fans was, oh, the team you covered, you couldn't break the news, but the national guy did? Yeah. Because what, at the local level, you're performing, Joe Shad, Palm Beach Post, Omar Kelly, Sun Sentinel, that's journalism. What Schefter's doing, again, is performance art. An insider generally is not a journalist because they can't go by the journalistic standards in order to do their job and be first. It doesn't work like that. So stop thinking they're journalists. And I think this speaks to a larger discussion about society as well and this country and how we consume news because Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, that's also not news. They don't report the news. When they do, they're doing it as insiders and they're definitely not doing it objectively. And then when they start giving opinions on said news, that's definitely not journalism. But in this country, we're too dumb to realize what's news, what's journalism, and what's not because all of those TV networks and all of those publications have the word news in them. Just because news is in the title doesn't actually mean it's news and doesn't mean that it actually was gathered in the journalistic way. Those standards exist for a reason. Adam Schefter, not a journalist. So you can call for him to be fired, but he is not a journalist. He is an actor, and he does his job well. He's not a journalist. He's unethical. He is when he tries to do journalism. That's why he should just stay away from journalism. He shouldn't write anything. He should just go on SportsCenter and report it. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. I cannot wait to see the rest of the emails. Cannot wait to see the rest of the emails in this Washington football team saga. And I can say with great confidence that I have never sent an email to Bruce Allen. I'll tell you that right now. Kemovica's name, it's staying clean, baby. I never sent him an email. EDS Air Conditioning, EDS is yes. It's been the off-season for you snowbirds with your air conditioning. Uh, So that means when you get back and you try and flip it on, I have bad news for you. There may be some of your units that just don't turn on because it's exhausted, it's been rained on, it's tired, it's old, and you need someone who can help. Because another cool front is about to come in next week, and it's going to come 100 miles short of South Florida. So our summer continues as we march our way towards November. So this is no time for your AC to go out. So that's why EDS is, yes, EDS Air Conditioning. Go to edsairconditioning.com. They're a train comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. We're talking best equipment. They've been doing it since 2006, and they are uh, family-owned and operated. They are trustworthy. They service all of South Florida. They service Palm Beach County, the Treasure Coast. It's EDS Air Conditioning. Make sure that your AC is in shape. EDS Air Conditioning and edsairconditioning.com. Uh, so the Bruce Allen thing is going to continue forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Like this is this is just never going to end. The NFL at some point is going to have to make sure that those emails become public. But again, if you're mad at Adam Schefter, if you want to pile on Adam Schefter, he's not a journalist. If he was a journalist, ESPN should fire him. But he's not a journalist. And you sports nerds, you love your free agent scoops. What would you do without Schefter at free agency? You'd be angry. You'd be disappointed. You love Schefter. Stop acting like you don't. He's not a journalist. He's not going to be fired. And he's the biggest asset that ESPN has. And it's the same reason why Fox will never fire Jay Glazer. Same reason that Woj could have a lifetime contract at ESPN. They're not journalists. Please, please, please understand that. They are not journalists. 
Tomorrow we need to have a, a big discussion, too, and we'll do this about Kyrie Irving. I don't know if he's worth it, period, for any NBA team. He's made of glass, first of all. I'm all for him being a deep thinker. But when that deep thinking becomes conspiratorial, that's where it's a problem. And that's where we are now with this COVID vaccine. And the fact he's not vaccinated. And the fact that right now, until he's vaccinated, which not sure it's going to happen at all, he is not a member of the Brooklyn Nets. He's not going to play home games with him. He's not going to play road games with him. He's not going to practice with them. They basically said, hey, if you're not going to do what it takes to be a part of this team, then right now, while you're under contract, you're not going to be a part of this team. And it is a massive distraction for a squad that came inches away and maybe a Kyrie Irving away from going to the NBA Finals. They came that close. And Kyrie Irving, if he wasn't made of porcelain, probably would have helped that cause instead of leaving Kevin Durant to do it all by himself. And now Kevin Durant is going to have to do it all by himself. And it could be all season long. And the Nets are in a spot where they have a highly paid player that is a constant distraction in one way, shape, or form every single season. Kyrie can be a free thinker. I encourage it. It's a good thing until it's not a good thing anymore. And until it becomes dangerous. And until it becomes detrimental. And that's where we're at now with Kyrie. Tomorrow, we have to have a serious discussion about whether or not Kyrie is actually worth it. Period. And we'll have some Bud Light Brown Distributing Weekend Warriors as well. Luke and Del Rey won last week. Our defensive version. Now, we're getting crazy this week because our Weekend Warriors, we're going kickers. We're going kickers. That's right. The men who keep putting balls off the post. We're going kickers this week in our NFL Weekend Warriors. We'll play that tomorrow. Hey, I want to tell you real quick about Greenway Kia in West Palm Beach. When I drove in my Kia K5 GT and I went up to the sixth floor and they told me, oh, uh, sir, please don't park here. We're power washing today. It could hurt your car. I, I, I felt a wave of panic rush over me. I can't have anything happen to my baby, my Kia K5 GT that I got at Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Military trail, half mile south of Palm Beach International Airport in West Palm Beach. Uh, I love my Kia K5 GT. You'll love your Kia when you go to Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. And it is, uh, it, it, it's not just the quality of the automobile, which is high. The selection is outstanding. It's also the fact that at Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach, they want to make sure you're happy with the car buying experience. They're not going to sit there and have you waiting for 20, 25 minutes for someone to come over and help you. They want to make sure that, hey, let's get right into it. What are you looking for? What type of car do you want? What's the perfect one for your situation? Oh, but my credit's bad. No, 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 we've got a credit clinic. We're going to make this happen for you. We're going to do it so you're comfortable, so you're not regretting your monthly payments. Those are all the things they check on at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach to make sure that you're happy. What a novel concept. A happy customer in the car buying realm. Stunning, I know. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Go to GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. Check out that selection online. Roll in there. No better weekend than this weekend at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach, half mile south of Palm Beach International Airport on Military Trail. Go to GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. That'll do it for us. Chris Jericho, if you missed any of them with AEW coming to town this weekend, the Ken LaVica Live podcast. Again, it's free, and it's wherever you get your podcast. He's Captain Competent Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken LaVica. We've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.